Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, everyone. This is Great Woman in Compliance with Mary Shirley. I've got Christy Grant-Hart with me. Christy, I'm going to fangirl you for a moment. You are one of the most well-known women in our industry and have a lot of accolades. And no doubt many look up to you as having reached the level of Chief Compliance Officer at an early age, as well as being a published author of several books. You're also a board member of a nonprofit and now an entrepreneur, a successful owner of a compliance consultancy company. That consultancy company also has a publishing arm, which in its own right is growing in stature. Is there nothing that you can't do? What traits do you attribute to the success, Christy? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you. That's quite an introduction and I appreciate it. Let's see, I'm taken aback. What traits? In terms of being successful in the profession, I think that the most important thing is to really have the capacity to connect with people. I think it's one of the most underrated skills because we have such good technical skills, you know, whether we can read and interpret laws or process difficult ideas and create training, really it's about connecting with people. And I think that's what sets apart truly successful practitioners from those that are less so. I think that's right. And it's probably the main difference when people ask what the main difference is between a lawyer and a compliance practitioner. Having those interpersonal skills is probably the key. As a lawyer, we don't really need them as much. People are going to listen to our advice because of what we are, but compliance hasn't matured enough for that to be the case. So absolutely agree with you on that one. Such an important point. And what advice do you have for women hoping to make a name for themselves in compliance, becoming as compliance famous as you? (laughs) I'm not sure everyone wants to be as compliance famous as me, but if someone wanted to be, I think that the most important thing is to really start writing and speaking. I think that even if you do it just in your local community or you do local academies, local teaching, the ability for people to see or skill when you stand up and talk in front of them or to read what you have to say and what specialized knowledge you have to say, you're not only serving the profession, but you're also making a name for yourself, which can really help if you need a new job or if you want to build your network. If you want to be compliance famous, there is nothing like speaking and writing to show your capacities and ability. Great. And thinking about serving the community in another way, you're also a member of the SCCE board. Congratulations on that. Thank you. (laughs) Woman on Boards has been a hot topic recently. What interested you in joining a board and what has your experience been like so far? Uh, Joining a board. I mean, I think that for many people, that is essentially one of the ultimate goals of professional career is being able to sit on boards, both nonprofit and for-profit boards. The second part I haven't yet achieved, but it's on my list. I think that a huge part of it was just how much I respected and enjoyed my participation in the SCCE. I've been a conference speaker for them since about 2013. I started writing in their magazine as a columnist in 2014 or 15, somewhere in there. And I just found myself really involved and invested in this organization that has promoted the profession so successfully over time. And it just seemed the natural step to try to run for the board. And I'll tell you, the first year I ran, I didn't get on. And the second year I did. So I think that persistence and, you know, staying involved and really being in front of leadership of the organizations that you respect and want to be a part of is the best way to position yourself to be accepted as a board member. 
Christy, that's really great of you to share. I think we see so much of your success that we forget that there have been opportunities that you haven't reached. So it's really interesting to me to hear that it wasn't until the second time that you tried to get on the board that you were successful. And that's really inspiring. What advice would you have for women who want to become a board member in addition to what you've already mentioned? So if they're looking for opportunities, how would they go about that? In some cities in particular, there are organizations dedicated to helping people, sometimes women in particular, to get on boards. I think there's a group called the 30% Club. I'm a member in London of the Institute of Directors, which because I'm a director owner of my company, I'm eligible to join, but they try to get people together who are already directors of companies and to help them network together to get onto other boards or to be asked to provide advice. And that networking is it's so critical. It's been said over and over again and, and has been true that once you get on one board, it's much easier to get on others. So whatever the organizations are, particularly nonprofits that you like, let's say you're really invested in dog rescue or animal rescue or local cancer research foundation, anything like that, hospital boards, school governance boards, those types of things can give people confidence that you will do a good job and understand the requirements of you and also to be able to participate collectively in a positive way with the other board members. Wonderful. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Christy, you a while back before you were a compliance professional in-house and of course before consultancy, I recall that you were in private practice as a lawyer, which is probably one of the more secure careers that we can have. And now you're obviously an entrepreneur. Tell me about your experience starting up your own company. That must have been quite a leap of faith stepping into the unknown. How did you prepare yourself for that new and somewhat risky endeavor? <laughs> somewhat badly, I suppose. I am so excited to be an entrepreneur. When I was in big law, I was at Gibson Dunn, and I really wanted to make partner. And it just wasn't in the cards for me. And so that's when I went in-house. But I always had that desire to build client relationships, to work on multiple projects, to do the kind of face-to-face -face networking and writing and speaking and, and those things that would give me credibility enough to gain clients. So I did a lot of research on that. I met with every single consultant I could find who would talk to me. I got a small business loan from Virgin Startup, and they actually made me go through basically a Dragon's Den type environment where I had to pitch to them to get the money. I had to go through two business plans, a business coach, and then I was given a mentor for a year who had created and eventually sold a consulting company. So it was a multi-month, not multi-year process for me to be really ready. When I say badly at the beginning of this, we were horribly undercapitalized. I didn't understand what I didn't understand, but I think that's pretty standard with entrepreneurs. So as we're in our third year now, I feel so much more confident about my business capabilities and growing it. But I mean, in the beginning, I think you have a great skill. And if you really want to go into consulting or be in the entrepreneurial, say, compliance tech space, it's really about meeting other entrepreneurs and getting the business skills because you probably already have the technical ones, but the business skills are different. That's great. And I guess marrying someone who happened to have the financial ground was helpful too. Uh, thank God for that, right? <laughs> I, I wasn't amazing at accounting and tax and all the rest of that and business corporate formation. So I certainly had a leg up in that respect. That definitely helped. Excellent. And I think, you know, one of the things that I really like about you, Christy, is that you are so candid. You're someone that people can really relate to because you're not just all sunshine and rainbows. You really tell it how it is and you keep it real. 
So following along from that, what has been your most significant learning moment in your compliance career? Honestly, when I went from big law into in-house work, when you're a big law lawyer, they bill you out at hundreds of dollars an hour and everybody kind of hangs on your every word, particularly because I worked at two different corporate monitorships where if they didn't do what we said or what I said, the government could come back, right? And so when I got into my first compliance role and started handing out advice and pearls of wisdom, I was shocked at how few people were listening and how much email didn't get responded to. And I was used to that. I was used to being or feeling important and like people cared. And it required me to have a whole new tack to say, oh, shoot, I am not anything but a cost center right now. So what do I do to make myself more important and valuable to the business in a real way? And that's the experience that began helping me to write wildly effective because I needed to get better at that. That's a great point. And many women who are in private practice, I think, don't as you mentioned before, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're sitting in private practice and wanting to make that move in-house, I think sometimes there is a lack of awareness about some of the differences that we experience in-house compared to when you're the one who's telling it how it is and expecting everyone else to listen to your advice. What advice would you have for someone who's out there right now and in the market for a job in-house currently sitting in a law firm? What advice would you have for them for interviewing to make sure that people know that she is fit and up for the job of being an in-house practitioner compared to a private practice lawyer? I think that it depends on what your specialty is. If you do a lot of data privacy or FCPA, I would highly recommend you get skilled in the other areas you're going to need. So if you're in healthcare, you start looking at HIPAA, you start taking academies, you start doing classes. I'd highly recommend getting your CCEP qualification. You really need to show that you mean it. And I have interviewed big law lawyers trying to come out with that sense of everything I say goes and I have one specialty, but I don't really need to learn trade sanctions. And I think that there's some showing of commitment. I was an adjunct professor at Delaware University Widener School of Law for three years. And what I saw was some great lawyers come in to do their one-year certification in compliance because they wanted to show the marketplace that it wasn't I think sometimes people perceive compliance as lesser than legal, and they wanted to say, no, this is important. I want to be in compliance. This isn't something where I need any job I can get. I genuinely want to be in this different career. And by showing up with qualifications, certifications, classes, networking in the profession, I think you make a much stronger impression that you're committed to this and mean it for the long term. Great advice. And I think it's a strong shift that we've seen from the times where compliance was viewed as the poor cousin of the law or the only failed lawyers ended up in compliance. I think that's starting to turn around now and so much the better I think we are for that. Yep. So that's all that we have time for today, Christy. Thank you so much for chatting with us and everyone else out there. Thank you for listening. I wanted to wrap up today on a thought about women in compliance on boards or or women on boards generally. How many Fortune 500 companies do you think have an equal number of male and female board members? The answer is three. If Christy has inspired you today, get up and do something about it. The power is with us to turn these statistics around. So put up your hand, raise your voice and be heard. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.